Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. And the goal of parenting coordination is to help teach parents how to communicate better, how to make parenting decisions together, how to lessen the overall conflict in the families, keep them out of court and focused on their families and how to get by on their own without having to rely on the court system. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I am joined by a friend and colleague from New York. Her name is Carolyn Kalos, and she is a family law attorney in New York City. She's a mediator, and importantly, she is a parent coordinator. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. This is a hot topic in family law. And Carolyn, I'm so happy you could join me for what's going to be, people, a very special double episode. Thank you for having me, Susan. I'm really excited to be here. I have wanted to do an episode on parent coordination for quite some time now, but I wanted to be sure to find the right person to talk about this because parent coordination is actually something that's been around a while, but it seems to be, as I said earlier, a hot topic lately. More and more often I'm hearing it from more and more professionals. I'm hearing that they're offering parent coordination services. And I think maybe COVID had something to do with the rise, but it's definitely something that I want parents and co-parents to really understand and my professionals out there, because we also have a, a, a large number of professionals who listen. You've been a parent coordinator and are currently doing parent coordination work in New York. How long have you been doing parent coordination? So I've been um, in private practice for about a year and a half. Um, I left the court system in July of 2020, mid-pandemic. 
So right, right at that time when uh, the entire world went on a computer, um, you opened your practice. And I know you've been getting quite a bit of parent coordination client work lately. Why do you think it's, it's rising so much these days? COVID was not good for the New York City court system. Uh, New York City is a large place. The court systems, the court is, the courts are very, very busy. I was once told that the Brooklyn Family Court is the busiest courthouse in the country, second only to the Bronx Family Court. I think one has the most cases and one has the most number of filings. I'm not sure how they figured that out. So they were already very overburdened to begin with. And COVID, with the everything went on hold for a while, and they're still coming out of the backlog. So the court, but the court's being overburdened. Everybody is looking for a way to help families that don't doesn't involve the court system. So, parent, and with COVID, also families are having more conflicts. There were a ton of conflicts related to COVID. I could list them now. We yeah. can get it. Well, we've done a couple episodes <laughs> on that. Let's. We can just say to vaccinate or not vaccinate. Let's start that with is, We don't need to go into that. That is one, That's of them. one of them. And yes. there are a lot of other conflicts within families. So the court systems were overloaded to begin with. Lots and lots of family conflicts. Lots of people who were in lockdown together. It, it wasn't an easy time for people to get along and to parent their children. So people are turning to parenting coordination to lessen the burdens on the court system. So attorneys are referring more cases, judges are referring more cases, anything to ease the burden on the court system. And so I guess those of us who are doing parenting coordination are seeing rises all over. Yeah. I mean, it's really quite a trend lately. I'm hearing it from all of the professionals I speak to. And I think it's a very good point that you make because we've seen sort of the same rise of mediation for divorce and for family conflict, um, huge rise in people reaching out for mediation services because of COVID courts were closed, no other recourse. In fact, you also do family mediation um, through your firm, uh, family-friendly mediation in New York as well, right? Yes, I do. And all parenting coordinators have to be mediators. It's um, We use our mediation skills a lot in trying to reach consensus in parenting coordination. So it's they, they go hand in hand. I've seen a rise in both mediation and in parenting coordination just because Judges just don't have the time to deal with all of the small decisions. They're handling some of the bigger cases or things that just can't be resolved by mediation or parenting coordination. So for the most part, we've seen that judges are very grateful when parenting coordinators can take some of the burden away from them. The courts, as you said, were overburdened, and it's not just New York City. Yes, I mean, I I practiced in New York. New York is crazy, the courts there. But California, where I also practice, Connecticut, and pretty much every state in the country, they were overburdened before COVID. I frankly don't think they're ever going to catch up you know, to the point where you can go into court and get your case handled in an expeditious fashion the way that you would want to. You weren't getting that done before COVID. You aren't going to get that done after COVID. So it's actually a beneficial thing that awareness has been raised for things like mediation and parent coordination. But although the awareness is there, 
I don't know that of, of the, the availability of parent coordination, I don't know that everyone understands what parent coordination is. So let, let's start there. What is PC, parent coordination? Parent coordination, it can be a, a lot of different things, but the, the concept is that it's a hybrid alternative dispute resolution technique. So parenting coordinators are, some have mental health backgrounds, some have legal backgrounds, but the most important thing is to have a, you know, some sort of training and experience in dealing with high conflict families and you know, whether it's through your mental health background or a legal background. I have a background in in law. I was an attorney for the child for uh, over 20 years in the family court system. So for me, it was a natural progression to go into parenting coordination. Many of my colleagues are mental health professionals who deal with families as, you know, they do therapy, family therapy, you know, therapy for kids. And they are also parenting coordinators. And the goal of parenting coordination is to help teach parents how to communicate better, how to make parenting decisions together, how to lessen the overall conflict in the families, keep them out of court and focused on their families and how to get by on their own without having to rely on the court system. We handle people pre, this is another thing that's on the rise is, is starting to work with families pre-divorce. That was not as much the case when parenting coordination first was established. It's more and more happening that we get families before their separation or settlement agreement is drafted. That's actually wonderful because they can start, you know, it's hard when families will go through the divorce process which can be conflictual, especially if there is high conflict. And that kind of almost cements some of the negative behaviors and negative communication patterns um, and just conflictual, you know, conflict is a cycle. I argue with you, you argue with me, and that goes back and forth. So the idea of starting to work with um, parents in a way to help them create a better co-parenting relationship during the relationship makes a lot of sense. Um, but you are, as you said, working with cases where there's conflict. You don't get a parent coordinator involved when you have parents who are generally able to co-parent effectively. This is for cases where people need some help. Correct. So I have started putting in a lot of my mediation agreements. We used to put in that we you'd return to mediation if you can't agree on certain things. We're tending to put more that you would ha- work with a parenting coordinator for certain decisions. If you can't decide, for example, how to expand your parenting time in the summer as the children get older, or if you can't decide what middle school a child should go to, you'll work with a parenting coordinator, which is sort of a less intense, less invasive way to allow your parenting agreement to grow with your family rather than going back to mediation and modifying your agreement, you just work with the parenting coordinator to make small changes in your parenting agreement or in your family dynamic as you move along. So that's a great tip, right? For those people who are going through divorce right now, who want to be sure they have an effective way to deal with issues that come up around their parenting plan or parenting decisions, 
you can put language right in your agreement that you will refer those matters to a parent coordinator. Now, do people usually name a parent coordinator right in the agreement? So what I've been doing a lot is um, I work with a nonprofit called Family Kind, and they work with families regardless of ability to pay. And I'm, I'm on their board and I'm one of their consultants for mediation and parenting coordinator coordination. And I often suggest that people put Family Kind in then when something happens, because a lot of parenting coordinators are not available, right? And I've been put in parenting coordination contracts and I will get a call, for example, two days before Thanksgiving, we have a crisis and you're our parenting coordinator. I've never met these people. I don't know who they are. So by putting family kind in my agreements, they know to call family kind and there is a screening process and the person who does intake can match them with an appropriate parenting coordinator who's A, available, which is important because if I'm their parenting coordinator, I might not be taking new, new clients at that point. And um, sometimes it's, I think, important to have a parenting coordinator with a mental health background. And sometimes I think it's important to have a parenting coordinator with a legal background. So the person doing the screening at Family Kind can match them with somebody both available and appropriate for their case. You can also, some families like to do this, pick their parenting coordinator at that point. I've been interviewed by families who are looking to put me in their contract, in their agreement, but they interview me and it would be for some forward sometime in the future when their first disagreement arises. Hey, listeners, I just wanted to let you know about a new feature on the podcast website. We now have a special directory of episodes that are bunched by topic. We know it's really overwhelming when you're faced with trying to find trustworthy and helpful information when you're going through divorce. And since we have over 150 episodes to date, we know it can be hard to hunt through them all to find the one that answers the question that you have, but not anymore. Visit the divorceandbeyondpod.com website and click on the divorce topics tab on the menu bar. You're going to find pages dedicated to all kinds of divorce topics, including parenting, finance, high conflict, taming your emotions, mental health, and so much more. So be sure to check it out today at divorceandbeyondpod.com. Stay tuned for more from attorney Carolyn Kalos, who's sharing everything you need to know about parent coordination. The main goal is to teach people how to communicate better and how to work together as co-parents. I mean, sometimes people divorce when their children are very young and they have 20 more years of working together as co-parents. That's really hard. The job of a parenting coordinator is to help you either work through or put aside or compartmentalize those feelings and just focus on what's best for your child. If you are enjoying this episode, check out last week's show with Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo, America's most trusted celebrity psychologist who joined us to help get you out of the red zone, tame that inner critic, and find happiness. If she can help Shaq, she can help you. Being in the red zone with your soon-to-be ex and being rude and then coming back and saying, you know what? I was upset. I was in the red zone. I want us to have a civil conversation as we're moving forward. I take full accountability for my behavior and I apologize. What do you think would happen there? Just a lot of goodness. 
And now we return to today's show. So I think that's so interesting that people, you know, would put somebody into an agreement without having interviewed them. I guess they're doing that based upon the advice of their attorney. This is someone that I know. But that is a very good point that you need to know your parent coordinator is going to be available when you need them. I like it when they interview me because it's a very intense and personal experience and they should feel comfortable with me if they're going to use me. And especially my background is in law, and I do have a lot of experience in conflict and family dynamics and even in the mental health arena, just because, you know, I did child abuse and neglect for many years in in family court. And there's a lot of mental illness and um, other areas that end up in in parenting coordination, but I'm not a mental health clinician. And and sometimes I I have said to people, I think in your case, you should find someone with a mental health background. So I, I do think it's important that people interview more than one person and pick someone that they both feel comfortable with, because sometimes it's a long term relationship and they should feel comfortable with me. And also they, you know, I should know who they are, right? So that it doesn't happen. What happened the last time, luckily I was available. It was, there was a two day before Thanksgiving crisis and I was able to navigate it and get this kid on a plane to where he needed to be and navigate when he left and, and everything, but it was not ideal. We, we talked about in the pre-interview, you know, you are working with parents at times of high stress for them. And so there needs to be a level of trust amongst at least, maybe not between them, sometimes that's the issue, but between them and you, because you are helping them work out these really difficult issues where there is a lot of high emotion. Um, I do want to touch on the fact though, so what we've been talking about that here is you're helping them facilitate sort of resolving those problems. What happens when they don't resolve the problem? There's there's a difference, right, between a parent coordinator and a mediator. Yes, they are. There's a, all of them can make recommendations. Some of the recommendations can be binding, and it's either given that authority by a court order or by the agreement that the parents sign. But the big but is that you know it's never binding binding because I am not a judge, right and the parent always has the opportunity or the ability to go back to have the matter heard before the judge. I mean, judges are not thrilled because they've appointed a PC and or the parents have gone to a PC. So they're not thrilled when the matter comes back before the judge anyway, but that is always the parent's right to go litigate their issue. There's so much that's, I think, important for people to understand in that. Is it always I agree with parent A or parent B, or could you come up with a recommendation that's entirely different from what they wanted or a combination of what they were talking about? Can you, you know, sort of change things? Yes. I mean, the main goal is to teach people how to communicate better and how to work together as co-parents to go from being spouses to being co-parents and to, with with the switch of that role, to how to learn how to make decisions. I mean, sometimes people divorce when their children are very young and they have 20 more years of working together as co-parents, right? And 
that's really hard to do when you don't like the other person, you don't trust the other person, you have a lot of anger and hurt and, you know, a million other feelings. So the job of a parenting coordinator is to help you either work through or put aside or, you know, compartmentalize those feelings and just focus on what's best for your child. And sometimes as PCs, we refer out. So we might say, you know, maybe, you know, parenting skills class or a therapy class or an anger management class or therapy for the children to help them adjust to their new normal. And so putting a lot of supports in place to help the family transition from the old life to the new life. But the goal is to get everybody working towards a new normal, learning how to communicate in a new way and to like put ourselves out of work so that they no longer need us being involved in their lives and they can function making decisions without us. And that that causes, you know, more delay for that family. But those are all, as I think we're we're hearing here, really important decisions, right? Because it's it's your ability and how much you can do with this family is kind of circumscribed by the agreement that they come to about hiring you if it's absent a court order, if it's absent, you know, being ordered by the judge. I mean, when it's ordered by the judge, it's going to be what the judge thinks is best for that family, which could be giving you a lot more authority. I'm wondering if you need to also add the service of lawyer coordination to your roster. Yeah, I have, I think, three, if not more cases right now where there is so much negotiation as to my agreement, my parent coordination agreement, whether I'll be binding or not binding, what percentage of my fee each client will pay. And there's a lot of back and forth between, you know, the lawyers and myself. Um, there, you know, I've had situation, a situation recently where one of the lawyers, um, told me her client told her something that, you know, I, I, something I told her and she said, well, I thought this was part of your job. My client told me you wouldn't X, Y, or Z. And, you know, her client had told her something that was clearly not true. And I thought, here I am, I'm parent coordinating the parents and now the lawyers, and it's, it can get very complicated, Um, But yes, more of my cases right now are pre-divorce, so they're involved heavily in litigation, and it is very complicated because there's, we're, I had a case where I was trying to get a bunch of agreements before a court date, and I had like five days, and we got a couple, right, but both parents are extremely resistant. I had asked each parent to do, to give me a list of a couple schools that they could possibly compromise on because the judge hasn't decided whether the child will stay in the right school in this school or move to a different school because um, they're pre-divorce. And uh, one parent said, no, I'm not going to do that because she's in the right school for her. So what am I going to do at this point? Their court date is that, you know, and, and we're, we may not be able to get a compromise on that issue. I'm going to try to work with her and explain to her that if the judge makes the decision and, and has no, and she has no second option, then, you know, that may not be the right thing for the child. Like she should want to take part in having a second option. She can still argue her case for the first option, but the father doesn't want her in that school. 
he's willing to come up with some second choices. So in that case, I'm getting it from the lawyers and from the parents, and we have these court dates pending. So there's some pressure to try to get an agreement on as many issues as possible so that at least they can make some progress before the judge. Well, and that's that's an unfortunate aspect of it because what we're really trying to do with parent coordination is bring it back down to the parents making parenting decisions. But it does tend to, because high conflict cases can be highly litigated, they tend to get bogged down sometimes at that lawyer level. I think many of the cases, and I've never parent coordinated, let me say that. I have been the the attorney in cases that have been referred for parent coordination. And I personally have been a huge fan of parent coordination. Um, But I have been in those situations where there are 10 arguments or discussions that we need to have before we can even get the matter to the parent coordinator to work with our couple. In this case, I, I was skimmed through the legal motions to get an idea of what was going on. And I can do that very, very quickly because I did it for so many years. But um, in this case, we're trying to figure out the it's procedurally complicated, but um, I'm trying to, I asked the lawyers, so what is happening on this? And I got two separate answers. So now they have to order the transcript because they couldn't agree on what happened in court, right? So even I'm understanding, but that I wasn't there, right? So they're giving me, they were, but like they're giving me different answers. So I'm trying to help my clients, their clients, they're giving me different answers. And even though I read all the paperwork, it was not clear. There were two, there were judge changes and, and anyway, so it got complicated, but it is, it is helpful for me to be able to sort of digest the procedural history pretty quickly. Right. And that's, that's actually a significant point, right? Because if it is post-judgment or post-hearing or post-agreement, at least, then it's usually a matter, right, of a family that divorce is now behind them or their separation or parenting matter is behind them. They have a written agreement or a judgment and they get into a, an issue or they, they find they have an issue that as mom and dad or mom and mom and dad and dad, they can't resolve they look at their agreement. It says this issue shall be referred to a parent coordinator. At that point, they don't have attorneys involved, um, usually, right? Because it's after the divorce. Their attorneys are now hopefully paid off and long gone out of their lives. So what do they do? Do you have like ongoing check-ins with them? Or, or like you said earlier, you may have hardly ever spoken to these people and they call you out of the blue and say, we've got an issue we need a parent coordinator. Can you do this? You know, I, I have had clients that just sort of wanted to have a break from the back and forth or the, you know, bickering, and they wanted me to monitor communication just for a bit as they adjusted. And, you know, each of them knew that I was there. So everybody was on their best behavior and it was not intended to be a long-term solution, but just to give everybody a break as they got into a new routine And, you know, occasionally somebody would ask for my thoughts or something would get heated and I'd say, let's take a break and why don't we schedule a time to talk through this issue. For the most part, I think it was successful because we, in this case, I'm thinking of phased out into a new norm where I'm not on every communication, but each of them know that if something gets heated or 
they need my help. They just put me back on the communication and, you know, we go from there, but the goal is a progression to need me less and less. Yeah. Well, I like that. Your, your goal is to work yourself out of a job. And I think that that is actually, it's a very worthy goal. And as you've been talking about this, the word I keep hearing is communication is helping parents get to that point where they're able to set aside the personal to come together for the business of raising their children. I mean, that's how we as divorce attorneys often phrase it, right? You're in the business of raising children now. Well, we have a lot more to talk about, which is why this is going to be a special two-part episode. And we're going to dive a little deeper into uh, the the goal and function of a, a PC, of a parent coordinator, um, where a parent coordinator will not go, like where you won't dip your toe in, um, and a lot more. So I do want to talk about that, but we're going to uh, pause for today. And uh, Carolyn, for those who are out there listening, what's the best way for them to get more information about you, your services as a parent coordinator, mediator, um, and I know you do consulting work as well. So um, for parent coordination, uh, my website is carolynkalos.com, fairly simple. And my mediation website is familyfriendlymediation.com. Yeah, either way. And I, I am on social media as well, not like as effectively and amazingly as you are, but I, I try. No, well, you do. You people should follow you on Instagram. Family Friendly Mediation has a lot of great really helpful posts, especially if you're in New York, but really it's a wonderful feed to follow. Um, I will have links to all of Carolyn's information in the show notes and do not forget to tune in as we are going to go a lot deeper into what you as parents need to consider when you're working with a parent coordinator. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.